Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, working to prepare the next generation of teachers, counselors, and educational leaders through online graduate degrees and hybrid doctoral programs. Details at education.olemiss.edu. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, September 5th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a Mississippi congressman weighs in on the future of a program that allows young people brought to the state illegally to stay in the country. Mississippi lawmakers will explore the possibility of bringing a state lottery to Mississippi in a meeting today. Hear from one group strongly opposed to the idea. And turning donations into Hurricane Harvey relief, the American Red Cross is ready to deliver more to recovery efforts. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hundreds of young people in Mississippi could face uncertain futures if President Donald Trump decides to end a protection program. He's expected to make a decision on whether to end the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, program. Currently, the initiative protects young undocumented immigrants from deportation, allowing those brought to the U.S. illegally as minors to stay in the country with a work permit or to attend college without fear of deportation. If altered, nearly a thousand undocumented immigrants in Mississippi could face an uncertain future. The Mississippi Immigrants' Rights Alliance says DACA participants are a vital part of the state's economy. Bill Chandler is executive director of the Mississippi Immigrants' Rights Alliance. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier the DACA program is beneficial. You know, the program is very good. It's five years old and about three quarters of a million uh, young people had applied and were qualified to be part of the Deferred Action for uh, Childhood Arrival program that was uh, initiated by executive order by President Obama. We know that Trump has uh, several options. One is to continue it, which he would have to do uh, next week, or partially continue it by allowing people that are currently DACA to work out their terms but not allow new people to apply And then lastly, which is the worst scenario, would be to uh, end it completely. And one of the problems with all of this, and we saw this from the get-go, was that uh, young people are coming forward and giving all of their personal information to Homeland Security, which makes them vulnerable uh, in the event the program is ended to uh, arrest and deportation. Because not only do the Immigration and Customs Enforcement know where they live, They know a lot about them, and they also know about their parents, and that is a problem. How would you like to see this resolved? The best thing to do would be to continue the program. That's what we hope that will happen. But we know because of the base that Trump has that that may not uh, happen. So we're working on 
trying to alert people to the possibility of the program ending and what the possible consequences would be. He didn't just come out and say he doesn't support it. He has his concerns about it, uh, and he was torn. What do you see? Well, you never know which way Trump is going to go on any issue. And, you know, we're we're very concerned that he may go the wrong way and put, you know, hundreds of thousands of young people at risk for arrest and deportation. There has been a drop-off in people coming to this country and more people leaving going into Canada. Is that correct? Yeah, we've heard about a lot of people that are seeking refuge in Canada and also that some people are returning to Mexico or other countries and not as many people are coming. And I don't think it is particularly Border Patrol that's solely responsible. I think that the economies, in, in particularly in Mexico, are starting to improve. But we still have serious violence in several Central American countries, and there are people that are actually trying to flee the violence by immigrating either to Mexico or to the United States. Bill Chandler, thank you so much for your time. And thank you for the interview. If the program ends, Congress could take up the issue. First District Representative Trent Kelly tells MPB's Desiree Frazier when the president responds, he'll support enforcement of the decision. I think that's the president needs to decide that. I'm about enforcing laws. I'm a district attorney. That's what I did before I came here. I don't get to decide. I don't get to pick winners and losers on laws. If there's a law in the book, it should be enforced. If they want to change the law, then there's a process to do that. There were many criminal laws and misdemeanor laws when I was a prosecutor that I did not like and did not agree with. However, I was paid to enforce those laws. So I don't believe in changing if it, they need to go through the legislature and change the immigration laws. But as long as there are immigration laws and they're on the books, they should be enforced, period. And if they don't like the way they're written or think they're overburdensome or they're oppressive to people, then they should be changed. But I don't think we should allow people, whether they're attorney generals, governors, mayors of cities, presidents of the United States, we shouldn't, or, or heads of agencies, they shouldn't be able to pick which laws they want to enforce and which ones they don't. That's kind of anarchy, isn't it, when you get to choose which laws you like and which ones you don't? Your opinion on the law? I think we need to enforce. I don't think people should come to this nation illegally. I think there is a legal process. I think there are millions of people. We are a country who welcomes everyone, but there's a process to go through that. And so if you come here illegally, I don't think you should be allowed to stay. If you want to do that, I also don't think we we don't have enough enforcement agents to round everybody up. So all this scare that they try to do is uh, it's not about that. There's not enough agents that they wanted to round everybody up. There's so many. And so what I think is when you find somebody who's breaking the law, you send them back. If they're good people, you give them an opportunity and show them how to do the legal process. And then I think so you got legal immigration and illegal immigration. I think we need to uh, enforce the illegal immigration and help people to get here the right way. You think it's time to reform immigration? I think we need to enforce the laws that we have right now, and we haven't done that, so we don't even know whether it works or not, because we haven't attempted to. I know Chairman Goodlatte on the Judiciary Committee, and that's where the jurisdiction lies in the House. They're working on some immigration and some work visas and those kind of things. I think we need to do that, and I think we need to make sure we have the right amount of people coming here on work visas or getting citizenship to do the jobs that either we can't do, won't do, all those things. And so I think we're working on that, and we've got to find what the right numbers are, but you got to have laws and enforce them to see whether those numbers work or not. Well, thank you so much for coming in and spending some time with us. We really appreciate it. Well, thank Thank you you. for having me. 
At present, DACA status is renewable every two years. Coming up, lawmakers studying the impacts of a state lottery are set to meet today despite opposition. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring My Trustmark online and mobile banking. Monitor accounts and information, transfer funds, create special alerts and reminders. Details at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi lawmakers are giving serious consideration to a potential state lottery. The idea is being analyzed as legislators seek to fulfill the state's need for additional revenue. The study group exploring the possibility of bringing a state lottery to Mississippi will meet at the Capitol later today. Committee members visited other states like Arkansas and Louisiana to see what it would take to get one started here and what the consequences would be. William Perkins is spokesman for the Mississippi Baptist Convention's board. He tells MPB at issue host Wilson Stribling the convention is against a state lottery. It's corrupting right down to the soul level of the soul, like alcohol. It's not something that Mississippians in general have benefited greatly from. You know, alcohol was supposed to save the state budget when it was legalized. Well, it didn't. Then casino gambling was supposed to leak, was supposed to be the answer to all of our troubles. And then onshore legal gambling was going to pave our roads with gold. And it hasn't happened. And there's no legitimate reason to expect the lottery to make it happen either. Is the position of the board based on uh, biblical teachings or on the destruction of the family unit or what? I would say all of the above. Galatians 5 in the Bible talks about uh, fruits of the Spirit and warns us what not to do. Greed, covetous, envy, all of the things that you can associate with the lottery, we think are biblically based reasons for being against it. Matthew 6 talks about uh, you can't serve two masters. You can either serve money or God, but you can't serve both. So we don't see this as a very positive step for Mississippi or for Mississippians at all. There's just too much at stake to depend on a lottery uh, to balance the budget and for Mississippians to be able to maintain their balance about the lottery, too. A number of our statewide elected officials have differing views on this. A lot of them, though, say they are opposing uh, a lottery in the state based on uh, religious reasons. Does that surprise you, or are you pleased to see that? That doesn't surprise me. Mississippi is a, is a religious state, and there are some very religious people who have sought God's guidance, the Lord's guidance, on this issue. And I have no doubt that, that they have been led to, to be against it. So... Uh, Win or lose, the Mississippi Baptist Convention Board is going to be against the lottery because uh, it just does things to people uh, that people shouldn't be subjected to. For instance, uh, Mississippi Baptist churches, most of them have funds to help people who have are down on their luck and, and are... Uh, provide them with money or clothes or whatever. So Mississippi Baptist churches see this all the time, especially from casino gambling. Uh, People come into the churches and just want a bus ticket back to Mobile or they want a bus ticket home. That's all they're asking for because they have spent every penny on this fool's dream of of casino winnings too. So we see the lottery in the same light. There are going to be a lot of people who are going to lose a lot that they don't have to lose. 
What about this lottery study group that has come out of the legislature that is studying the idea and not technically going to make a recommendation to the legislature, but is uh, looking at all sides of this? How do you feel about what they might find as they do their work? The study committee is a good thing if it's fair, if it's honest, if it's going to hear from all sides of the argument. If there is already a decision, if a decision has been made or they're leaning toward a decision without conducting hearings where all sides get to speak, then, then that wouldn't be very good for the state either to, to govern the state like that. And we should point out that Governor Bryant and Speaker Gunn have been on the record against a lottery, but Speaker Gunn formed the study committee to at least look at it, and Governor Bryant has expressed an interest in starting a conversation uh, about it. People are going to know that Mississippi Baptists are opposed to the lottery. William Perkins, editor of the Baptist Record of the Mississippi Baptist Convention, thank you very much. Republican Representative Richard Bennett of Long Beach is heading up the Lottery Study Commission. In a previous conversation, he tells MPB's Mark Rigsby they are seeking facts. I think it's very important that this be objective. All we're looking for are the facts. Uh, there is, we're not going to give a recommendation at the end of this. It is just going to be the facts of how it would impact the state and uh and what we need to know to implement a lottery. There's a lot of questions out there. You know, whether you're going to do um, Powerball, are you going to do a state lottery, are you going to do Daily Fantasy, and do you have to have a state lottery if you have a Powerball? We don't know any of these, these uh, answers to these questions. What's your biggest concern going into this? My biggest concern is that we do it right. Let's say we implement a lottery. In three years, four years from now, I want to be able to pull this study out and, and have them say, this is what we said was going to happen. This is what we said we were going to get. This is what, how we said it was going to work. Before you were appointed to lead this committee, were you in favor or against a state lottery before you were appointed here? I was in favor of a lottery, but let me tell you, I mean, it's wherever the facts lead us. That won't taint this at all. Philip Gunn is against the lottery. He's on record against the lottery. I'm on record for the lottery. But I'm going to tell you, we've got to have the facts. We've got to do it right. We're talking about millions of dollars that could help the state in a situation right now where we're having difficulty finding money for other critical programs. What are your thoughts? Well, I think if those are true numbers, and, and, and when I say those are true numbers, I think you've got to look at what you may possibly, and you may not be losing anything, but you could be losing on other sales. So we want to look at these convenience stores where they're selling these. Have their sales tax gone down? where somebody may have gone in there to buy a Coke or bread or something, they may have bought more lottery tickets, so that sales tax loss there. So we've got to go in there and we've got to find out what the true numbers are. How do you balance the concerns about the true numbers compared to, let's say, the social impact it would have? I think that's something we're going to look at and talk to other states and see what what social impact it had. And, uh, of course, some of those programs... um, Gambling Anonymous and things like that. We already have some of those programs in the state of Mississippi because we have gaming in Mississippi. Representative Richard Bennett, thank you very much for being on Mississippi Edition today. We do appreciate it. Thank you. Lotteries in surrounding states bring bring in hundreds of millions of dollars annually. Mississippi is one of six states without a state lottery. Coming up, the American Red Cross stands ready to offer more Hurricane Harvey relief. That's after Everyday Tech. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with the Wilkes Couture, and today we're discussing technology for teens. 
yes, our kids are growing up. And one of the scariest thoughts for me is that I do have to let my child grow up and be independent. There's a lot of technology out there today that helps teens and parents stay connected so your child can stay safe, correct? Yes, definitely. One of my biggest fears came to light. My son recently turned 16, got his driver's license, and the scariest thing, me and my wife were standing in the driveway watching him pull away in his car for the first time without me or her as his co-pilot. And that just really shook me. And, you know, it's something that a lot of us parents, we all have to end up going through. It's our rite of passage, per se. Uh, That doesn't necessarily make it that much easier. But technology can actually step in, bridge that, give a little bit of peace of mind while also becoming a teaching tool for when they're learning to do things such as driving. So what are some of the tools that parents can use to make that happen? Well, one of the really cool things that we got, and we got this from our insurance company, and it plugs into the computer port on your car. All modern cars have. It's called an OBT or Onboard Diagnostics port. And what happens is by plugging this in, it then links up via Bluetooth to his phone as well as mine and my wife's phone to advise of things and grades such as rapid acceleration, rapid braking, um, excessive speed, and some of the other things that could become bad habits. Another nice thing is also this same little device that plugs into there, if it were to detect something such as a crash or an airbag deployment, it can actually automatically call 911 through his phone. So a little added extra safety net there for you know mom and dad to feel a little bit better. Do they also have apps to let you locate your child when they're out and about? Oh, definitely. That's built into pretty much all of the phones. That's one uh, we use fairly heavily. We'll actually use the Find My Friends aspect of the iPhone that's actually built into it. So we know where they're at at any given time. Like I can pull it up right now and see, oh, they're in school or if he's went down to grab something to eat, maybe after school or something like that. We definitely have some visibility into where their physical location is. Also, speaking of being safe, let's talk about the online safety. Well, you know, it's it's really heartbreaking anytime I hear those stories about a child maybe being lured away from their home because of an online stalker or even, you know, the incidents that happened from cyberbullying, some of the other things that happen online. It's really important for us as parents and as caregivers to make sure that we're connected in that world as well so that we can actually, it's not for spying on our kids per se, as much as it is opening up the door to conversation to make sure we understand what's going on and that there's some open and honest communications going on, that we make rules for our children and rules for our household that actually promotes safety in that area. So really, when it comes to dealing with technology and dealing with our teenagers, we know so often the struggle that us parents have is really the same struggle that our parents had, and that is how do we communicate? Sometimes it's like we're speaking a different language, and by getting involved in their lives, not being overbearing, but getting involved in there and being a part of the social media circle and and understanding what they're doing and understanding what's going on in the classroom and not just basing the entire semester's work on a report card, but really on the progress that they're going through, can really make a huge difference in our children growing up to be successful and us being successful as parents. Because, you know, the bottom line is there are dangers all around our kids. There are dangers when they're getting into the car. There are dangers when they go to the classroom. There are dangers when they go online. These are lurking around pretty much every corner, but luckily technology is there today to help play a role not take over for the parent, but play a role in making sure that we stay involved, we all stay connected, and ultimately, we all stay safe. We will talk more about technology for teens on Everyday Tech, the show that comes on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. 
You can always send us an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilkes Couture, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. As recovery efforts continue in Texas, Mississippians are lending support to those affected by Hurricane Harvey. The storm slammed the Houston area as a Category 4 hurricane. The weather event was downgraded to a tropical storm, but it dumped record-breaking amounts of rainfall, causing damage to levees, overflowing reservoirs, and flooding neighborhoods. The American Red Cross is one of the organizations continuing to offer support as the area tries to clean up and dry out. Tamika smith Jewett is the Director of Communications for the Mississippi Region of the American Red Cross. She tells us donations can be made directly toward Texas survivors. We have dozens of volunteers who are on standby to respond. As you know, it's still a little difficult to get into some of the areas that are impacted by the storm. And we also have roughly a dozen volunteers who are in Louisiana and some in the Texas area who are helping out. How many volunteers do you have standing by ready to go? The last time um, I checked, it was roughly 20 or so on standby. What do they do when they get there? How do they mobilize? First of all, they leave knowing what their assignment will be. Like we have some people who are actually responding as emergency response drivers. They're going to get to those areas. They check in with the supervisors of that location, and then they'll coordinate with the leadership in those uh, that community, uh, that Red Cross community, and get their assignments of where they're going. When one donates to the Red Cross, is it monetary only, or do you accept goods? We do prefer at this time, you know, the financial donations because that's just the best way to support our survivors. It just takes a lot of time and money to sort those items and uh, make sure they're safe and clean and to distribute them as well. And especially when you think of cost of storing items, uh, we have to, you know, consider costs for warehousing and that sort of thing. So um, the best way that people can help is to make a financial gift to the American Red Cross. And this way, we're able to work with those areas um, in making sure that the financial resources are there to purchase the items that are needed. When you make a contribution, do you need to designate specifically that it's for the victims of Hurricane Harvey? You can. Anytime anybody wants to donate to the American Red Cross, you know, wherever you want your money to go, we're going to make sure that happens and honor your request. We um, have two numbers people can uh, donate to the Red Cross overall disaster relief, and people can also donate um, just specifically to Harvey. We have a uh, text number that people are using. You can text the word Harvey to 90999 to make a $10 donation. There are still two months left of hurricane season, and in fact, there's a strong hurricane out in the Atlantic Ocean as we speak. Do you keep money in reserve? You talked about the two accounts. One is for general aid. So would that represent money that you might need in the future? Oh, of course. Um, We're always in a replenishing mode. We just talked about the volunteers. Those volunteers are able to move at a moment's notice because people are giving to their Red Cross. So we're constantly spending around the clock, especially when we speak uh, to um, disaster response, 
So um, people are losing their homes to house fires. And so that's part of our disaster response. Um, here in Mississippi along, as many as uh, three times a day, people are calling in need of, you know, starting all over. They've had disasters. These people have lost everything that they have. And we're just speaking of home fires. So if there was a hurricane in Mississippi, <laughs> would other Red Cross chapters from other states bring money into Mississippi to help us the way that people are helping in Houston, Texas? Certainly. I mean, that's going on right now. That's a, a daily um, you know, goal of the American Red Cross. So we're all supporting each other. Tamika Smith-Jewett is the Regional Director of Communications for the Mississippi region of the American Red Cross. Thank you so much, Tamika. Thank you for your time. We appreciate you. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Money Talks. Then at 10 o'clock, it's in legal terms. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. If you missed part of the show today, find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, working to prepare the next generation of teachers, counselors, and educational leaders through online graduate degrees and hybrid doctoral programs. Details at education.olemiss.edu.